Hey there. What time of the night do you call this? <laughs> <laughs> a quarter to four? God, right. So I can gloat and say, it's only 10.45 here, but yeah, I have to stay up for the rest of the night. Well, I, what did we think, Jackie Fox? What did I we need, think? I need to talk to a real person about this uh, before I go to bed because I don't think I'll be able to sleep otherwise. What? It was. On earth. Chaos. It was insane. Oh We've never God. seen a debate like this before. It kicked off, I think, what, three minutes? They started yeah. on a topic on the Supreme Court and before we knew it, it had descent into healthcare interruption after interruption after interruption by Donald Trump. And yeah. that was the theme of the night. He it, never stopped interrupting. He never stopped. It was like a circus. I, I don't even know what the messages were, even on the part of the moderator. Yes, that is a nightmare job to try and rein somebody in like that but it was incredibly weak incredibly weak my criticism of Chris Wallace the moderator would oh. be he did come in at one point and say Mr President your campaign agreed to two minutes of uninterrupted speech then you can get in with your rebuttals but he didn't say that Jackie until about 40 50 mm. minutes into the thing when we'd had all this time of interruptions and rebuttals it was all over the place um, you mentioned a circus, and that was at one stage Joe yeah. Biden said, this clown referring to Donald Trump, he then kind of regretted and said, sorry, Mr. President. But, you know, it kind of didn't matter at that stage because it had descended into chaos. It got very personal at times. Donald yeah. Trump attacking Joe Biden's family. And at one stage, Joe oh Biden God, started yeah. talking about my son, Bo, that was, was in the military. That was tough yeah. to watch, actually. I thought that was the toughest thing to watch throughout the whole debate when he was talking about Bo. Uh, being in Iraq and Donald Trump suddenly just switched it on Hunter Biden and, and his said, addiction. I, I, yeah. yeah, I don't know Hunt. I don't know Bo, but I know Hunter, and he got kicked out of the military for taking drugs. I thought Joe Biden handled that well, though. Yeah, saying, "Well, yes, my son had a drug addiction problem. A lot of families have those problems out there. He has overcome it." Every now and again, we saw Joe Biden kind of turning it around, saying, "Look." Where you can attack my family, but actually I'm more concerned about the families out there. And he'd point to the camera. I felt so, Jackie, there was plenty of these moments where Joe Biden sort of turned it around, sort of pointed to the camera, sort of said, it's about these guys out here and made that moment. But the moment was lost yeah. because there was another interruption and another one and another one and another one. And really a difficult watch. And, and as we said at the start, chaos circus. I mean, plenty of one line zingers, as we call them. But we, did we learn anything? I think it was more about character than policy, than anything else. But we have, what time is it? It's quarter to four. We have exactly 12 hours <laughs> to digest all of this before we record the podcast. So plenty of thinking to do. I don't even know where to start, to be honest. Uh, when we go To digest this, this yeah. we need lots of rennies. <laughs> we lots of indigestion. It was. Oh my God, I'm so glad I was able to decompress. Or I wouldn't have been able to sleep. It would have been all going through my head. Um, yeah, I'll chat to you in like 12 hours, Brian. I hope sleep you well. get some sleep. Chat to you in 12 hours, Jackie. Looking forward to it. From RTE News, this is States of Mind. I am your president of law and order. You won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. All groups should practice self-monitoring and remain peaceful. This administration has shown it will tear our democracy down. May history be able to say that the end of this chapter of American darkness began here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, the best is yet to come. Your U.S. election 2020 podcast. With Brian O'Donovan in Washington. And Jackie Fox in Dublin. Today... 
I'm not going to answer the question Why because, would you answer that because question? the you question is, of, will you who shut is up, on, man? Listen, who is on you? You are a senator. And You're the, the worst way, president Weiss. America has ever had. Hey, hey Come Joe, on. Let, me, let me just tell you, Joe, I've done more in, in 47 months. I've done more than you've done in 47 years, Joe. What do you want to call him? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and white boys. Stand back and stand by. Well, it started off like any other debate. Good evening from the health education campus of Case Western Reserve University and the Cleveland Clinic. I'm Chris Wallace of Fox News, and I welcome you to the first of the 2020 presidential debates. With even some pleasantries. No noise except right now, as we welcome the Republican nominee, President Trump, and the Democratic nominee, Vice President Biden. How are you, man? But it soon unraveled after that. Folks, do you have any idea what this clown's doing? Mr. You have any doubts? The question is, the question is, the question left. Will you shut up, man? Listen, who is on your list, Joe? Those 12 hours, Brian, have flown by. We have a lot to unpack in this episode. I've got the concealer on, under the eyes, a mug of coffee and some hindsight, ready to go if you are, because I know you've got a busy day today as well, Brian. I too am wearing lots of concealer. No, I'm not, but I probably do need to. Yeah, crazy day today. We have a visitor. Jackie, if this was back at home, we'd have the good room ready and the fancy china out. And the good for towels. The first time, and the good towels out. For the first time since coronavirus lockdown, we have an Irish politician visiting Washington. Simon Coveney is here for the week. We haven't had anybody come since uh, the Taoiseach, then Taoiseach Leo Varadkar back in March, which was just before the coronavirus lockdowns. So he is having lots of meetings in the White House, in the State Department and on Capitol Hill. So I will have to dash off in a moment and run up to Capitol Hill to interview Simon Coveney. Okay. I'll ask him what he thought of the debate. I know he'll give me a fudgy politician answer about how oh, we will comment on other people's politics, but maybe I'll get a nice little comment off the record about what he really thought and what a debate it was, Jackie Fox. Yes, you're definitely going to need the concealer by the time you get home tonight. It was a circus. It was a mess, or as CNN put it. This was the most chaotic presidential debate I've ever seen, and I suspect most of you, if not all of you, have ever seen. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. You use some high-minded language. I'm just going to say it like it is. That was a shit show. Fox News had a different take. All right, welcome to Hannity. The very first presidential debate is now officially in the books. And the extremely weak, the frail, the confused, kind of angry Joe Biden just got steamrolled by President Trump. Joe flat out refused to answer simple, basic, fundamental questions, unable to respond to the president's beatdowns. And he appeared flustered, irritated, and, uh, well, cranky. Joe, maybe he's past his bedtime. Probably stayed up too late. Needs his nap. Yeah, interesting to watch the different networks last night. We say this time and time again. You'll have CNN and MSNBC saying, what a disaster for Donald Trump. You'll have Fox News saying, what a disaster for Joe Biden. Some polling were done by the networks immediately. After it, most of those polls came back in Joe Biden's favor. But was there any winner at all? Jackie, the idea of these is to win over that undecided swing voter in the middle. Sure, half the time they couldn't even hear what was being said. Full of interruptions, full of insults and very few points made. Before we go to our panel today, aren't we very fancy with a panel on States of Mind? Let's go through some of the key themes of this debate and try and put a shape on the hot mess that was last night. I think we can break it down into three components. Interruptions, insults 
and ideology. Love a bit of alliteration. The eyes have it. The, the eyes, eyes have, have it. it. I like that. Uh, first up, interruptions. Probably the most dominant and obvious force of the night. Donald Trump's strategy from the get-go was non-stop interruption. I'm not going to answer the question Why because, you answer that because question? the you question is the question Supreme is the radical question, left. Will you shut who is up, man? Listen, who is the fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. But you, I just agree. want to make sure. Joe, you're the liar. I, 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 I want to make sure. You graduated last in your class, not first in your I, class. I, I want to make Mr. sure. Mr. President, can you let him finish, sir? No, he doesn't know how to do that. Yes, and as you said, these interruptions came thick and fast from the very start. I counted. I think it was about two minutes. In. The opening topic was the Supreme Court. But within about two minutes, maybe even less, 90 seconds, the thing had descended into this row, this interruption. Chris Wallace, the debate moderator, struggled at times to bring the thing under control. About 30, 40 minutes into the debate, Jackie, he finally said to Donald Trump, look, you agreed to the rules of this debate. And the rules of the debate are you get two minutes uninterrupted each then you can go to town on each other and you can start having the back and forth and the row. But let the two minutes go interrupted. I felt when Chris Wallace did that 30, 40 minutes into the thing, it kind of, you know, calmed Donald Trump down a bit, had some impact. Perhaps he could have come in earlier. But yeah, the interruptions were an absolute disaster. It made it very hard for anybody to hear anything or for anybody to finish a point. Yeah, it was like Donald Trump. He was trying to constantly pull the rug out from... Joe Biden under his feet and Joe Biden he did grow tired of that constant barrage of attacks yeah I felt we saw an evolution of annoyance with Joe Biden last night at the start he sort of laughed he sighed he rolled his eyes and it's interesting I was reminded of our debate preview podcast where we spoke about was it Al Gore sighed a lot back in 2000 when he was up against George Bush and it damaged him I think the sighing and the eye rolling maybe would have been forgiven more this time around because Donald Trump was so aggressive in his approach and so was interrupting but then it evolved from sighs eye rolls smiles and laughs to just frustration you could see that Joe Biden was desperately trying to break through Donald Trump's strategy by triggering his own as well. He was trying to appeal to people at home, looking down the lens, trying to talk to them, using that empathy. But he kept being interrupted and it didn't pack the punch that he usually would when he uses those techniques. It was shattered by Donald Trump almost immediately. Then the insults started and while people might see Donald Trump as the chief instigator Joe Biden probably threw the most insults throughout the course of the debate. And I think he made a fatal mistake, too, because he insulted the office of the president, something that you don't really do in the United States. You were a senator. You're the the worst president America has ever had. Let me me just tell you, Joe, I've done more in... In 47 months, I've done more than you've done in 47 years, Joe. My yeah. son did nothing wrong at Burisma. I think he did. Mr. President, guy that let him answer. Well, it's hard to get any word in with this clown. Yeah, as we said earlier, it was like the evolution for Joe Biden started with the eye rolls and the size and then descended into just utter frustration and utter insult hurling. He called him a clown. He said you were a liar. He told him to shut up. No, the insults are coming from both sides as well. Donald Trump said to Joe Biden that you're not very smart and that you graduated bottom of your class. And then, yeah, the insults got very personal, Jackie, and it got very much about the candidate's children, particularly Joe Biden's son, Hunter. Donald Trump went on the attack against Hunter Biden. He accused him of being corrupt and of receiving money from 
China and from Russia, allegations that have been disproven and never stood up. And Joe Biden fought back, saying that's not true. He also went after Hunter Biden, who had a drug problem. Mm. But I felt Joe Biden was able to take some of those family insults, turn them around, point to the camera, look down the lens of the camera and say, stop talking about my family. Stop talking about your family. Let's talk about the families out there that are suffering. And he spoke about drug addiction and he said, yes, my son Hunter had a problem with drugs, but he came over that problem and I am proud of him. And it's a problem that many American families out there have. So I think Joe Biden was good at taking the insults in some ways, turning them around, making it personal. But as you alluded to earlier, it didn't have the impact. It didn't pack the punch because no sooner was Joe Biden making a good point or getting personal or getting emotional or trying to connect and Donald Trump was in again with another rebuttal and another interruption. The way you talk about them being losers and being and, 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 and just being suckers. My son was in Iraq. He spent a year there. He got the, he got the Bronze Star. He got the Conspicuous Service Medal. He was not a loser. He was a patriot, and the people left behind oh, there really? were heroes. Really? And I resent Are you talking like about Hunter? Hell. Are you talking about I'm Hunter? I'm talking about my son, Bo Biden. You're talking I don't about know. I don't know Bo. I know Hunter. Yeah, Hunter, you know got thrown, Hunter got thrown out of the military. He was thrown out, dishonorably discharged. That's not true. For he wasn't cocaine use. And he didn't have a job until you became vice president. I think people are used to Donald Trump being the interrupter, but... Attacking someone's family, addiction within that family, but also dismissing a war veteran who was a popular attorney general in Delaware. I think that this is the moment that is going to have a bigger impact than we think. Not only is there an opioid crisis in the US, millions of families have someone who struggle with addiction problems. But the US is also incredibly proud of its military service. What happened here I think is really insulting to a lot of people. And I don't think it will be taken as, you know, I don't think it'll be taken lightly with those undecided voters. Those are two both critical topics, which I think Donald Trump may have overstepped the mark a little bit here and gone too far. He was already on in trouble with the military vote after a very damaging article in The Atlantic magazine last month, which said that he referred to Members of the U.S. military who had died in service as suckers and losers. Now, he came out and he denied that. He said it was all fake news. It wasn't true. But Joe Biden took that allegation, took that reporting and said, you called them suckers, you called them losers. What about my son, Bo? He was a decorated military veteran. Bo passed away from cancer in 2015. The opportunity, I think, there for Donald Trump would have been to come in to say, hang on a minute, I never called anybody suckers and losers. It was all fake news. But he didn't. You know, he, he sort of let the suckers and losers line sit and then embarked on, let's talk about your other son. And we've spoken about Hunter Biden before in this podcast. There's problems there. He has been accused of corruption. He has been accused of receiving money from Russia, from China. And as we mentioned, there is a drug problem in the past there as well. But again, I come back to Joe Biden. I talk, talk, I thought took those insults, spun them around, tried to, you know, bring it back to, yes, It's addiction. It's a problem for a lot of American families out there. Yes, a lot of American families out there are suffering. Donald Trump, quick with the retort, quick with the insult. The the other thing I felt, Jackie, as well, and I'm sure this struck you, looking back over previous debates, when there is the zinger, 
the one-liner, the clangor. What gives it the boost and the lift is the whoop and the cheer from the yeah, audience and, and the there applause. Was, there was none of that, was there? None of that. None Nothing. of that. There was an audience, but it was a very small number of people, only a couple of dozen people, and they were family members, invited guests, supporters from both sides. They applauded politely as the two candidates got on the stage. And then the moderator said, and that's it now. No more applause, no more whoops, no more hollering. But I thought they'd ignore that and we'd still see, hear some whoops, yeah. hollering and applause. But we didn't. Yeah, they stayed extremely. They break the rules anyways. Absolutely. So, <laughs> Donald Trump was doing enough rule breaking, I guess, for everybody yeah. with interrupting. But the audience didn't. They were very well behaved. And that silence meant that sometimes there were good zingers and there were good clangers. And um, Joe Biden had a good one at one point, if you'll recall. He spoke about, um, you wrote the book, The Art of the Deal, but China has perfected the art of the steel. And it was all about Donald Trump's trade relationship with China. And in a normal debate, that would have gotten a laugh and an applause, but nothing. So a lot of the lines were thrown out there. They were pretty strong, but then they fell flat and moved on so quickly because there was another interruption and another shout from Donald Trump. I wonder, was that a reflection of the actual content that was happening during the debate more than anything? We'll move on to ideologies uh, we didn't really learn much about the issues about policy what's Donald Trump's alternative plan to healthcare who knows what's Joe Biden's plan to improve the economy beats me debates are supposed to be a chance for voters all voters to understand more about what the candidates are like what are their priorities but all we really got a glimpse into was their character Uh, their leadership qualities rather than what they want to lead. Yeah, lots of the same lines being trotted out on coronavirus. Donald Trump talking about how he brought in the travel ban from China early while Joe Biden was against that. Talking about his record on the coronavirus and Joe Biden would have done a far worse job if he was the man in charge. Joe Biden then quickly coming around saying, look, more than 200,000 people have died on your watch and look at the families out there that are struggling and suffering by the economy that has been decimated. Racial unrest, similar lines again. Donald Trump saying, Joe Biden, you were part of the radical left. If you win the presidency, there will be more lawlessness and more chaos on the streets. And it was on the race issue, Jackie, that we got one of the big headlines and the big talking points from last night's debate. Yeah, after all the insults and interruptions, there was a moment for Donald Trump when it actually seemed like he was pushed into a corner and there was no coming out of it. There was this was a turning point in the debate. Um, That was when there was a discussion about the Proud Boys. For context, the Proud Boys is a far-right and neo-fascist organisation that admits only men men as members and promotes and engages in political violence. It has bases, it's based in the United States, but it has a presence in Australia, Canada and the United Kingdom. Yeah, that's right, Jackie. And the Proud Boys, this right-wing group, white supremacists, Donald Trump has an issue here. You'll recall those Charlottesville riots uh, back in 2017 when we saw white supremacists coming out, protesting, and then we saw someone killed during a counter-protest. Donald Trump was asked, do you condemn these white supremacists? And he says, oh, there was good people on both sides, which of course caused outrage. So last night, the debate moderator... Chris Wallace, I suppose, if you will, gave Donald Trump another chance and said, will you now condemn white supremacists? But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland? Are you prepared to to specifically do it? I I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing. Not from the right so wing. So what are you, what are you, you what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm, it. Do it. Say it. 
do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and white supremacists and white supremacists. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left. That's the one gathering all the headlines. And we'll just have to wait and see if it does Donald Trump any damage. Will it damage him among his core support base? No. We've discussed in the past, nothing damages Donald Trump during, amid his core support base. The problem is, that's only 35-40%. Not enough to get him re-elected. The idea of the debate is that you draw in the undecided voter in the middle. Will anybody have been drawn in to either side? I don't know if they will. As I said at the top, were they able to hear anything? Were they able to get anything out of the debate? And of course, the big question now, I suppose, is are we going to see more debates? There are meant to be two more. Yeah, what is next? Because they're not a legal requirement. You know, when you're running for president, you don't have to do it. I think both teams will be reassessing the situation for the next two debates. Yeah, in the immediate aftermath last night, the Biden campaign came out and said, oh yeah, we're going to be doing the other two. I suppose... There was talk initially that this could be Biden's out. He could say, that was ridiculous. He broke all the rules. I'm not doing any more. Problem with that is Donald Trump will use that ad nauseum for the next month saying he's too scared to debate me. He's too scared to debate me. He's come back hiding into his basement. So it would have been very damaging for uh, Joe Biden if he were to do that. As we speak, we're saying the debates are on by the time this podcast goes to air in a few Who hours. Knows? Maybe an announcement would have been made. So apologies, listeners, if we're wrong. But as of now, At the, time the remaining debates... Exactly, are still on. So we're going to have a vice presidential debate next week and then two more presidential debates before Election Day. Okay, let's go and we will bring in our two guests now. Um, And the first might be a familiar voice to Irish listeners. Can everyone hear you? Hi there. Yeah, hi. I can hear Jennifer. Yes. Great. We're just going to kick off since we have everybody here, if that's all right. Is everybody ready to go? Go. Yeah. Fantastic. So we're joined now by Catherine Zappone, former Minister for Children in Ireland. But Catherine, you've been in Seattle this year uh, campaigning for Joe Biden. And we're also joined by Jennifer Carnahan. She is the chair for the Republican Party of Minnesota. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining us um, on States of Mind. Um, Jennifer, I suppose it's the same question for you both. What did you think um, of your candidate's performance during the debate last night? Jennifer, to you first, and then we can go to you, Catherine. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Last night's debate was a great presentation for the American people to see the very stark contrast between President Donald Trump and Joe Biden. The president dominated that debate and showed with impressive um, communication of what he has done for Americans and America and how he has accomplished more in 47 months than Joe Biden has done in 47 years in government. It seemed to be that Joe Biden was hiding from the tough questions, trying to redirect with attacks against the president. I think he got a little snippy at times and putting the president down, which just wasn't necessary. But the president talked about the strength of bringing the economy back. You know, we saw that our economy was artificially halted by the global pandemic and more than 10 million jobs have been added back since then. The president talked about putting American workers first because trade deals talked about standing strong against China talked about keeping his promise on nominating conservative judges and also talked about his immediate response to coronavirus. So all in all, we thought the president did a phenomenal job. And we also feel that America could see why Joe Biden is not fit to lead our country. 
Um, I think that the, in fact, many of those messages were lost. Uh, I'm going to first talk about Joe. I think he was nimble. He did not get bogged down in the mad conspiracy theories of Trump. He took a shortcut through the lies and the fake news. And I think he managed to deliver some key messages about the America that we all want to see. You know, Trump came in with no grand plan, no detailed plans of any of the six themes. He came in to distract, to bring his chaotic behavior to the stage where the American people could see it for themselves and to block Biden's strong image and character and empathy and his forensically researched plans to build America back better. So, you know, why would you vote for chaos? But Biden, in spite of all that destructive and negative energy, whether it was eight, six, ten feet away from him, he delivered some key messages, I think, of what uh, in portrayed who he was, a man of character, empathy, uh, and a leader. And he nailed Trump on his complete failure in relation to the pandemic, uh, the global pandemic, uh, and he and how it's impacting Americans. And many, many times he spoke directly to the American people, and that's what the American people want to hear. Jennifer, Jennifer I have to pick you up on a line there. You said that Donald Trump showed his communication skills. Would you not say he was aggressive? He was interrupting, and the real loser here was the undecided American voter because nobody could make a point, and nobody got their point across, and I don't think anybody learned anything new. Uh, I don't know that I agree with that fully. The president um, certainly has a strong personality and he communicates in a way to be able to articulate his points. You know, when when you look at that debate last night, first of all, I thought the moderator was a bit disappointing. Um, I thought Joe Biden was disappointing in how he took kind of some cheap shots at the president several times for the debate. And you could tell he was just holding it together to all but, you know, unleash what he probably really wanted to say. You know, the the media in our country and the left have been against this president from day one before he even took the oath of office. They've never given President Trump a chance. Anything that he has done that's been good for America, all they do is continue to criticize him. And that's not American. A lot of people don't know my background and story, and you certainly wouldn't know it by my name or over over the radio. But I was adopted from South Korea as a baby. On the day I was born, I was found abandoned on a back doorstep of a hospital next to a garbage dumpster. I was fortunate enough that five months later, my parents adopted me and I became a Minnesotan and an American. And the reason that I am very strongly Republican and always will be and stand so strongly with this president is because of the belief in the American dream and in encouraging and creating opportunities for people that no matter what they want to aspire to in their lives, they can achieve in this country. And that's why so many people want to come to America, because they want to live that dream. And all we saw out of Joe Biden last night was messages about how he's going to completely kill the American dream, kill our opportunities and the foundation of our country as we know it. And that's discouraging. So there's two more debates to go. I'm sure we'll hear a lot more from both of these campaigns over the next 34 days. The sands of time are moving through the hourglass swiftly. And we are confident on our side that the country will deliver another four years to this president. Catherine, what would you say to that? Yes, hello. Well, what I would say is I think Biden clearly laid out his plan uh, in order to respond uh, systematically uh, to the COVID uh, crisis uh, with the investment in PPE and the sanitation to allow a safe reopening of America. He noted that his economic plan was supported by Wall Street firms who predicted that it will create 7 million 
more jobs in four years. And he stood on the science of climate change. He laid out how his investment in his climate plan would create jobs, boost productivity. And, you know, Brian and Jackie, I'd say, you know, you'd have to think that viewers would uh, you have to think that viewers would be swayed by the inhumanity we saw uh, from the president. You, he did, would not condemn a white supremacist. Instead, he refers to, you know, a. Uh, instead, he refused to uh, refers to a group uh, uh, that uh, are right wing violent actors, and he said they say nice things about me. And when asked again by the moderator, Wallace, he referred to, he referred, he said, you know, okay, uh, proud boys, maybe you should stand back and stand by. Stand back but and stand by in case I need you. Um, and, you know, there was just a huge lack of empathy, of course, and disrespect for the grief suffered by the Biden family. We just want to bring back in Jennifer here because, Jennifer, what did you make of the president, you know, refusing to condemn white supremacy. Were you surprised by that when that all played out on stage? Well, hold on here. The president has condemned um, white supremacy. And do you think as an Asian American that I would stand so strongly with a president that stood behind white supremacy as someone who has experienced racism my entire Mm -hmm. life, and I still do today as a 43-year-old, I would never support someone that stands for that. So again, it's the left continuing to try to create this narrative and perception that Republicans are all racist, sexist, bigoted people spearheaded by our president. And it's just not true. Um, but what there about were a the lot proud, of things. I'm, I'm so sorry to interrupt, Jennifer. A, but, but what about the Proud Boys? You know, that comment is like, you know, stand by. There was a lot of alarm raised about that, you know, turn of phrase. You know, the Proud Boys, it's a far right neo-fascist organization that only admits men, men and promotes and engages in political violence. You know, the the group in this country that's promoting and engaging in political violence is Antifa, with constantly burning down our cities, harassing and abusing innocent people, beating them, burning buildings down, while the Democrats just continue to stand by and watch. And they think that it's okay. That That's not the kind of country that I have any interest in living in. That's not what America is. Uh, we know what's going on in Seattle. We know what's going on in Portland. Started in my hometown in Minneapolis. Uh, that's where the real violence is. And if people are not able to see through that and see where the discord is coming from and the chaos and the constant tearing apart at the fabric of America and trying to divide us as groups based on what we look look like and trying to make us feel like we're less than others, that is not coming from the right or this president. That is coming squarely and solely from the left. Catherine Zappone, uh, I need to leave this podcast in a moment and I'll tell you why. Your former cabinet colleague, Simon Coveney, Minister of Foreign Affairs, is here in Washington today and I have to run up to Capitol Hill to interview him. But before I leave, (laughs) I just want to put one more to you, Catherine, if that's okay. okay. Joe Biden, a lot of people in the polling, a lot of the media saying he was the winner last night. And there wasn't any big gaffe. There wasn't any big mistake. There wasn't any big mess up, I think, on his behalf. But I also don't think it was the strongest debate in the world from Joe Biden. He was rambling at times. He didn't land any killer blows. He didn't land any zingers. Do you think he could have done better last night in terms of performance? 
Uh, I, I think uh, he did land some really good, strong one-liners, uh, Brian. Um, and I, you know, one of the things that I brought a checklist just uh, to the uh, to the debate to see, okay, can Joe do this? And one of them was is that would he ignore the efforts of Trump to get under his skin? And by and large, he did. And I think, especially at the end of their discussion on the first theme, uh, Biden looks at him and he says, "This is so unpresidential." That was a really productive segment. Keep yapping, man. And you know what Trump says? He says, that was sarcastic. So, in fact, Biden gets under Trump's skin rather than Trump gets under Biden's skin. So, so I do think he he got the messages out. He got some good one-liners. Um, but, yes, it was difficult to do within the chaotic environment. I think Brian is gone now. Are you still there, Brian? Or are you I'm going to say my goodbyes. Travels? And guys, we must talk to you again in a few weeks' time. Jackie's going to take over. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And uh, if there is another debate, (laughs) we would love to have you on again. Thank you, guys. Okay, go on, Brian. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Brian. Bye-bye. The busy life of a correspondent in D.C. He's always, always on call. But, you know, actually, just what Brian said there for, for both of you, do you think your candidate should get back in the ring? Because... This has been described as a hot mess of a debate. Jennifer, go to you first. Yeah, I believe there are two more debates that are currently scheduled for October. And I think it is important for the American people to be able to hear from both the president and Joe Biden in a format where there are questions talking about all of the issues that Americans think about and care about and that impact their lives. So I do think that that visibility is important to be able to allow people to see and hear for themselves. And Catherine? Yeah, the only caveat I would add is that when they do it again, they need to follow the rules. Uh, the campaign teams uh, agreed uh, on, on the various rules, and they need to follow the rules. Um, and if that happens, uh, and if they allow each other to speak, uh, et cetera, I, I think, yes, it would be a really great uh, contribution for the American people to really be able to hear more clearly uh, what are the messages, what are the plans moving forward, and how we're going to bring the people of America back together. And Jennifer, you have a big day there today in Minnesota. Do you want to tell us what's going on? We do. We are going to be welcoming President Trump back to our state for the seventh time since he took the oath of office. So that is this evening. And then tomorrow we have Eric Trump that's going to be traveling across our state. So we're very excited about that as well. Because Minnesota, correct me if I'm wrong, voted Democrat in 2016. What do you think Trump has to do to flip the state red this time around? Yeah, so Minnesota actually has not voted for a Republican candidate for president since 1972. So it's been a very long time. I think we were the only state in the country that didn't vote for Ronald Reagan um, when he was president. But it's very interesting because in 2016, the president... Everybody, you know, all the polls that looked at Minnesota, no one ever would have considered Minnesota in play or a targeted state for for the president at all. Um, Every poll, I think the few that they did specific to this state had him down by, you know, high double digits. And on Election Day, he came within one and a half points or 44,000 votes, and he won 78 of our 87 counties. So since that time, uh, over the last four years, we've continued to see shifts and trends in the red direction all across our state, a part of our state called the Iron Range, which was a heavy, heavy DFL stronghold for decades and generations. We now have had, I think, six or seven mayors of those cities on the Iron Range come out and endorse the president 
we've had the president visiting up there and he's going to Duluth tonight, which is also very close to that area. So we've seen the president's strength grow throughout our state. And we are very, very optimistic and confident that on November 3rd, we are going to make history and flip our electoral votes for the first time in many decades for the president. Well, listen, uh, Jennifer Carnahan, chair of the Republican Party of Minnesota and Catherine Zappone, thank you both so much for joining us on States of Mind. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.